Thank you, worship team. What a great, what a great, great job. Praise God. Ah, well, we're in this series, I Am. We, we learned that Jesus, I Am, is the bread of life. That's kind of that fourth dimensional teaching that we talked about last week. I am the light of the world, and we talked about that today. Uh, he is the door. I am the door. And it goes back to kind of that fourth dimensional thing. There's a spirit world out there that's much more real, much more alive than even this earthly world. We only know what we know. We touch what we touch. We can feel what we can feel. We see what we can see. And the Lord wants us to go beyond that. He wants us to go into a, another scope. And in that, we have to learn the dimensional process. We are walking in a three-dimensional world. We, we know that, what we can see, hear, see, think. But the fourth dimension, the spiritual realm, the Lord shows us different things. And he shows us in the realm of I am the door. I had heard a funny story of a young man and his wife, uh, they were newlyweds, and the man's name was Bubba, and they moved to a small town, and, and uh, while they got to the small town, they thought they'd try out some different churches, and so one church that they went to, the pastor's name was John, and they had visited the church and filled out a connect card like some of you may, and, and so later that week, maybe Monday or Tuesday, Pastor John was going to go out and do some visitation, so he, he went and knocked on the door at Bubba's house and his wife, and, and he thought he heard something inside, but there was nobody uh, nobody answered the door anyway, so he, he wrote a note, hey, uh, Bubba and wife, thank you for coming to church and visiting, uh, appreciate it, Pastor John, Revel Revelations 320. He liked to leave a little scripture on some of the, the uh, cards that he was walking around with, and so he left and thinking of it, and Bubba opened the door kind of quietly and grabbed the card off his wife and said, who was it, who was it? Well, that's Pastor John from the church that we visited yesterday, and what did he say, what did he say? Well, he, he wrote in here, uh, Bubba and wife, thank you for visiting uh, Pastor John, Revelations 3.20. Well, what does Revelations 3.20 say? Oh, it says, uh, so they open their Bible and says, uh, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock, which is what Pastor John was doing. Well, that was kind of cool. And so a few days later, Pastor John came home, and, and on his door, there was, there was a note, and it was from Bubba. He said, Pastor John, thank you for uh, visiting us the other night. Bubba, uh, Genesis 3.10. So Pastor John went in the house, and uh, Genesis 3.10, that sounds familiar. So said, so thank you for visiting. So he looked up his Bible, Genesis 3.10, uh, we heard you, we hid because we were naked and afraid. <laughs> okay, uh, now, now that we got that one out of the way. Uh, I guess you can apply scripture to almost anything, uh, and I would say don't use it out of text, okay? Uh, so Jesus is truly at the door knocking. Uh, he's at the door knocking on our hearts. He's at the door knocking in our spiritual person. He's at the door knocking for us to grow more and more in him. You'll see in the scripture today that as we read, I want you to be mindful Jesus is here, and on all of our hearts is he knocking. It's usually uh, sometimes the church's, church's felt duty that we judge and say, well, you really need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Nobody needs Jesus any more than the other person. We all need as much Jesus as we can get. Amen? 
it's important. And so we have to look at this message today as where am I at in this flow of things where Jesus is my door and I, wanna, I want to go through him to get access into this greater life that he has for me. So let's go to John 10, 1 through 9. The Bible says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper, and by the way, as we go through this, you'll know gatekeeper, gate, uh, door are all the same thing. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he was brought out all to his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you continue to open our hearts. Lord, for the word that's spoken today, Father, Lord, would be one that's true and alive in you. Lord, that we know that you are the door, and we are so thankful for that, Lord. Now help us to walk through that door continually, Lord, as we grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. I love the idea of things that we can't we can't see, but we know that we're a part of. We're a part of a kingdom that we, that we can't see, but that we have access to. We're part of a kingdom that when we look at that kingdom, it's in words on a page or it's in the model of Christ, but yet we, we can only compare it to earthly kingdoms. And so I would say that as we look at Jesus being the door, I am the door, we have to look at it in a spiritual way that has physical uh, examples or tangibles. And so I look at it in 1939 uh, when they were filming the movie The Wizard of Oz. We used to watch it every spring. It was on one of the major channels. And you always knew spring was here and it was close to Easter time because they would play The Wizard of Oz. When they start filming the Wizard of Oz, they only had black and white. And then partway through filming The Wizard of Oz, 1939, they had techno color, a living color, they would call it. And so it worked perfectly for the script of the movie because when Dorothy and uh, her family has the tornado in Kansas, it's black and white. But when she has her dream and her dream world, it's all in living color. It's a big, beautiful, bright colors. There are flowers and there's streets of gold and there's mansions and there's scarecrows and lions and tin men, all these beautiful colors. And then when she wakes up from the dream, it goes back into black and white. It was an absolute marvel. It won an Oscar that year and probably one of the best films ever created for that reason alone. That's kind of how we are when we go to this door of Christ. We see his door and all of this is living color here, but there's a magnificent persona of who Jesus is when we walk through that door. And we can't 
really explain it to people. My father-in-law used to talk about the Holy Spirit this way. He said, here's an orange. And he would peel the orange on the platform, and he'd take a bite of the orange and say, isn't that orange good? And people would say, I, we haven't tasted the orange. We don't know. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We, have, we all are at the door that Jesus is getting ready to open for us. It may be a door. It may be a gate. He is the gatekeeper. But there's processes along the way that as we walk through this, we get a little bit deeper and a little bit more knowledgeable about who Jesus is. And that's a good thing. So there's gates in heaven. If you want to take your phone out and take a picture of some of these slides, you can. You don't have to. But the, the, there's gates of heaven that we, we use and we access. And then we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper each and every time. But if you want to write them down, it's important. There's The gates of heaven are justice and mercy and praise and righteousness. And, and not to belabor the point, because most of you know it, but these are access points. A gate or a gatekeeper is someone that has access. They can grant those things to you. So we know that we have justice and that justice that served our way is with a, a, a crown or a robe of righteousness that Jesus gave us. He gives us this righteousness. And then we also know that we have mercy and one of the ways we get mercy is by giving mercy out every day, and that mercy is new every day, and so then we get that mercy back. It's kind of our modern-day manna. And then, of course, praise. And I would say this, that if you are going through anything in your life, it's always better to praise first. Praise will, praise fights the battle for you. Praise opens the doorway for you. So Jesus is standing there. He loves it when his children decide they're going to praise him anyways. I'm going to praise him on the mountain. I'm going to praise him in the valley. That's a gateway. That's a, a door to the heavenlies that all of a sudden we can start to enter because these are partly heaven's gates. The scripture tells us of other gates. In, in the Ruth 4 chapter, there, there are gates of authority. And, we're, and we may have those up there too. And there's gates of wisdom and there's gates of um, judgment and ministering justice. And there's gates of, uh, of advice and counsel. And we see that these gates in the scriptures are also doorways. And so we, we see the, the gates of authority. Jesus, the Bible says, sits on the right hand of the Father. The, the proverb Solomon tells us that there's gates of wisdom that are spoken over each and every one of us. And by the way, it's important, especially uh, in this generation, that we continue to speak life into people. That's a wise thing, okay? Uh, young, our young generation, don't, uh, they don't need to hear they can't do it. They need to hear they can do it. They need to hear that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. They need to know that they are the chosen vessel of the Almighty God. They need to know, and when, when society pumps up different things of Hollywood or politics, we need to build up the body of Christ amongst each other. That's wisdom. That, that's power, okay? And so then the judges and officers served at the gates. They administered justice just like Jesus will. He's coming back again. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And then the council of the states were held at the gates. So these gates are important. Doors are important. We, we, we look at the, the gates of the city. When uh, we travel home from uh, Hickory to Omaha or from Omaha back to Hickory, the halfway point thereabout is St. Louis, Missouri. And in St. Louis, Missouri, much like Hickory had up until a couple days ago, there's a, gold, there's a big arch. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. 
Lord, help, Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, just help, help whoever built that thing and put it up and give them wisdom not to ever do that again. Um, so at the, at the arch, uh, it's called the gateway to the, to the west in, in Missouri. And in the arch, it's 660 feet up. You can ride in a little, like a little cubby. It's kind of like a, maybe a coal miner's deal. It's almost like a, a ride, but it's not a theme park ride. You sit in it. You're looking across from your, your family member or friend or whatever, and, you, and it goes, and you chink all the way up 660 feet to the top of the arch, and you can get out, and to overlook the city, the windows are actually this way. And so you have to lean out over 660 feet above, and the arch sways, much like our arch did the other day. <laughs> Only this one hasn't collapsed yet, thankfully, because we've been in that arch a couple times, and it's a really weird experience. It's, it's like... I really think this is going to fall, <laughs> much like, never mind. <laughs> but it's the gateway. It's the gateway to the West, and it's iconic. And if you've never seen it, you've seen pictures of it. If you ever go to St. Louis, Missouri, and you have an extra couple hours, I would suggest to stop and ride to the top of that arch and stand overlooking the city and just let that thing sway just a little bit. But don't think about Hickory's Arch. Gateways, doors, gatekeepers. Jesus is the door. I am the door. He's showing us. He's telling us. He's being part of us. He's saying, I'm going to give you access to a whole other realm that you maybe have never thought of or maybe you've never looked into. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the temple wall and the gates in that city, he gives us a metaphorical picture of what spiritual growth looks like. Now, Nehemiah was rebuilding Solomon's temple, and Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and it sat empty and dormant for about 140 years. So finally one day, God just impressed upon Nehemiah, you got to rebuild that wall. Now, this was a large undertaking, and he only, he only took him 52 days to do it. So what great leadership model. What a great uh, desire that he had. In fact, the Bible tells us that for a while, while he was putting bricks on the wall, he was fighting with his opposite hand. See, I want to tell you this, that you never should ever give up. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Turn to somebody and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, do not give up. Listen, say it one more time. Do not give up. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody is in the throes of saying, is it even worth it? Don't give up. Don't give up. Think of Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah rebuilds these city walls and it takes him 52 days. And there's such lessons to be learned that I wanted to show you the walls, by not by picture, but by word. And what can we learn from these different gates? Because there was four sides to the city and there was three gates on either side. But the way the gates are mentioned is a progression of how we walk through life spiritually. And so the first three gates are like this. There's a sheep gate, okay, fish gate an old gate. The, the sheep gate represents our salvation. Jesus is the door. I am the door. He, I'm that shepherd, he's saying. I'm that one who's going to protect you, who's going to watch over you, who's going to look out for you. This is salvation. There is no other way to be saved than through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. There is no other way. 
You, you can dream up other ways. There is no way except through Christ. And listen, the church has to do a service to the community. We have to show the community Jesus, not judge the community for how we think they need to be. Okay? And if we walk this walk out, then people will come in by the groves because they're going to say, wow, if that's Jesus, that's what I want to look like. That's what I want to be like. It's an apostolic ministry. It's a ministry that is appointed by God. So we're going to see as we go through these gates what we look like or what we are and then how this, how this applies to us. Well, in the old time when, when, when they were having uh, shepherds and they were herding their sheep from pasture to pasture or from city to city, from town to town, from rural community to rural community, they would have a large flock and they would, they would put them in pens at night so wolves didn't destroy them and different one and the, and the pins in the city were large and the pins in the city were used by other shepherds so that when you put their sheep in and then this shepherd put his sheep in and this shepherd put her sheep in and they were all in the sheep, uh, sheep pin together and there was a big gate they would shut the gate and they would lock it and then the shepherd came the next day when he whistled or called out his sheep only his sheep would follow what a beautiful scenario. And that's why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. If you are sheep of the great shepherd and he speaks to you, you're going to hear it. You're going to know it. Maybe it's not an audible voice. I mean, I don't know that I've ever really heard Jesus' audible voice, but I know he spoke to my spirit many, many, many times. He spoke to me in the, in, the, in, the, in the spirit. He spoke to me in the heart. He spoke to me in my gut before. I know I should do things. I know I shouldn't do things. He speaks to us. And then when there was a pen out in the country, because there wasn't anybody manning that pen, they would have a large pen where the same thing would happen, but they would have an opening. They wouldn't have a gate. And this part you really need to get. They would never have a gate for that. So the shepherd would lay a crossways on that open gate. And there would... There would be no wolf, there would be no bear, there would be no robber that would step over that shepherd to get to his sheep. Are you with me? Jesus said he'd lay his life down for you. When he's talking about that, he's talking twofold. One, he's talking about dying on the cross. The other is he's talking about laying on that doorway saying, nobody's going to get the sheep in this pen because my sheep know my voice. There's no robber. Nobody is going to get you. God is in charge. He's got it covered. He's got you covered. There's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of anxiety, and I get it. I understand it. Just watch the news for five minutes, and it's enough to make you anxious. But you don't have to be because Jesus has already laid his life down you, both figuratively and literally. He's laying right there in that opening saying, no, you're mine, child. You're mine. I got you covered. I'm going to make sure there's not a robber. There's not a demon in hell that ever gets his hands on you. That's the sheep gate, okay? Now the fish gate. The fish gate's another one. That's our calling, but it's not just a ministry calling because some people confuse it and say, well, I'm not a minister. Trust me, you have a calling. Joseph up here has got his whole family in church. Amazing. He's, he's, he's working on the second row now. He's got one row now. He's working on the second row. And I've noticed they bring coffee for everybody and sandwiches. I want to be part of Joe's family. Bring me coffee and sandwiches, Joe. Hey, whatever it takes. But that's a calling. Listen, when he stands in, in front of the king, the king's going to say, man, Joe, you, you did exactly what I asked for you to do. You, you did exactly, you got your family in church. Now, that, there's a calling. But there's also us being called. 
See, you don't even come to Christ unless the Spirit of the Holy, the Holy Spirit comes and deals with you. But he doesn't deal with people unless we start to pray. You might pray for people that you don't even know, and all of a sudden the church starts to fill up. Why is that? Because people are praying for the community. People are praying for the city. That's the fish gate. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Except for Mike Hager, I'll just make you a fisherman. And that's okay, too. We need fish. See, there's a fish gate now circle that fish gate because we're going to come back to it for a minute. Circle that if you're taking notes. Circle it in your mind. That fish gate is a calling by God on our lives, but he's also calling our lives by God. And then there's the old gate. The old gate is simply this. It's our past. And we don't want, listen, I don't want no people to know my past. I don't want my past on the big screen. You probably don't want yours on there either. But we all have a past. We all have things that maybe we would be shameful of or, or you know, despicable, or maybe we're just be embarrassed by them, or maybe we just, maybe it's an immature act or something that we said. That, that's called deliverance. That gate is the past. Now we start to deliver. You see, we come into Christ, we gain salvation. We come into Christ and we've been called into God's body by Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now God says, I'm not just going to leave you here. Now we're going to work on some issues that maybe you need to be delivered from. Church, that's a good thing. It's when we hide from those issues and we don't want to be delivered from, that's when we're at fault. When Jesus makes a door available for us to get delivered or set free, that's a great thing. Let's go to the next three gates because he builds them in threes. The valley gate. You'll see a pattern here. That's hard hardships. And that's another deliverance. If you're not in a hardship, maybe you're getting ready to come into one. Or maybe you just got out of one. But chances are there are going to be some hardships. There's going to be some valleys in your life. I don't want to speak gloom and doom. But in life, because we're finite here, there are deaths. There is sickness. There is disease. There are things out of our control in the world because of the fall. And some of those things create hardships in our life. But Jesus says, I've made a way where there seemeth to be none. I'm going to be in charge, and we're going to deliver you from that hardship. This light and momentary trial is worked out for my good, Paul said. I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm getting ready to be offered up. I'm going to go on the other side. How about that looking at it? Moses says, I'm going to go up top of the mountain. I'm just going to lay my life down. These men had a relationship with Christ. They had a relationship with God that just says, hey, it's time. I'm going home. And if you know the saints of old, that's always been their prayer. I just want to go this way. I just want to go sometime in my night. I just want to go. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a hardship that Jesus wants to get us through. We call it deliverance, the dung gate. And you know what dung is. It's waste. And there's a waste place in our life, and it's deliverance. And Isaiah said, look out for the waste places, but know this. Out of the waste places sometimes grow beautiful flowers, beautiful roses, beautiful things. And there's dung. There's waste places in our life that we thought would never be no good. We've had people that would say, well, they're no good. They're not going to amount to anything. That's never going to happen. They're not going to work out. It's not going to be. And become, and out of that waste place, God just brings people <laughs> to the front and center because I think he just wants to show people he's in charge, not any of us. God is in charge. But if you need deliverance today, look how this walks through. Pastor, I've been struggling in this area. Well, we're going to pray for you in a little bit. You don't, have to, you don't have to struggle in that area anymore. Let's get you free in Jesus' name, amen? 
Well, why don't we walk through those? Jesus said, I am the door. We just have to walk through that door. We just have to walk through that gate. And then the fountain gate, that's a healing gate. That's a Holy Spirit gate. That's, that's a gate of anointing. So when we walk through this now, I've given my heart to the Lord. I, I call myself born again or saved or a Christ follower or part of Christ's community. I'm a community of believers. However you term, whatever your terminology is, doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter if you're Methodist or Catholic, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Evangelical, Charismatic. If you love Jesus Christ, you're part of the family of God. And so then God wants to work on your calling. Because he's called you. And then he wants to work on, hey, is there issues in your life? Maybe it's just anxiety. Maybe it's uh, stubbornness. Maybe it's fear. He wants to work on those issues. But then he says, wait, I've got something for you. This is, this is the third part of the Trinity. It's called the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit for you. And he will heal our spirit. And there's an anointing there. So Holy Spirit will teach on after Easter. But Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. You get the Spirit of God at salvation. And then you have access, if you'd like, to the Holy Spirit of which Jesus walked in the fullness of. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2 says he walked with wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, might, and the fear of the Lord all encompassed in the Holy Spirit. And so this is the fountain gate. Why? Because the fountain gate just flows. Okay, it just, it just it just flowed and overflowed. So then we go to the next three gates, and there's water gate. And again, if you're circling, like I said, you circle the fish gate, then circle the water gate. This is the word of God. This is life-giving. Now, the Bible to me is not boring. The Bible to me is alive, and it's a wellspring. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, out of your belly shall full rivers of living water. There's a, a life stream where we should be life-givers to other people. We should be people that, that speaks life into others, and we do it by the word of God. I love it when my friends quote scripture back to me. And say, you know what the Bible says here in Proverbs? You know what it says in, in John? You know what it says in, in Romans? And, and it's always life-giving stuff. Well, the water gate is where they would get the water so that they would have a wellspring, a life spring within the temple gate. Nehemiah rebuilt that. Then you have the east gate. And the east gate represents new beginnings, which again is life purposes. Now, I found life in Christ. Now, listen, you're not the same creature. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. There's a renewing of the mind and anything that the enemy tries to attack you with, you've become a new creature. He will remind you of your past. And you know the old adage, you just remind him of his future. And you don't have to worry about it. You can walk in the fullness and the freedom. Listen, none of us are perfect. We're all flawed. But don't let the enemy beat you up with the flaws or imperfections. Know that Jesus sees you complete. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees me 6'5", 240, with hair down to here. I will have the tallest man bun in heaven. I'll be like eight feet. Uh, listen, church, give, can I give you permission to stop beating yourself up? Just stop. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Walk that way. You're a new believer. You're a new creature. You, I don't care if you've been doing this thing for 35 years. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're whom God wanted you back in the garden. 
You're that, you're that, new, you're that new believer. The, the horse gate, here's another one that you want to circle. So we've circled three so far, the fish, the water, and the horse. Circle them, we're coming back. The horse gate is that power gate. It's that position gate. It's that, you know, you look at horses, and they just, they're, man, they're just so strong. They're, you very seldom see a fat horse an overweight horse. And very seldom, if a horse is fed, you see a skinny horse. It's like they're, they're just perfect animals. They can be a little stubborn. They can be a little ornery, like a good Christ follower. You're not going to tell me what to do. And maybe the tongue gets a little loose, but Paul told Timothy, just put a bridle on it, Timothy. Just put a bridle on it. But the horses, and the Bible says that Jesus is coming back on a white horse. How would you like to be that horse? That, I mean, just think about that. Whether it's literal, literal or metaphorical, I don't know. But Jesus is coming back on a white horse, and that is going to be such a beautiful vision. But the horse gate is a power and position. It's an anointing as well. Horses are confident. You see them with their chest out. You see them striding. You see them, I think, because I'm Belgium, I think of the Budweiser horses. Big old Belgium horses are just powerful. I, man, I want to be that. And I think of some of these people who are sprinters and they have racing horses or some of them are, are workers and they're out in the field. We kind of represent the horse community with our power and our position. This is an anointing that God places on you. Your anointing may look differently than somebody else's. You're, that's okay. Not every horse looks alike. I like the buckskin, the tan ones with the dark brown hair. Janie likes Appaloosas. Appaloosas? Whatever. <laughs> she likes all horses. But you, you have to find out who you are in the body of Christ. Find out your anointing. Find out your giftings, your talents, and move with it. But again, circle that one. Go to the next three, the Mifkad day. Circle that one too. This is a numbering gate. This is ownership. We're all sons, and I would say and daughters, but let me just approach the sons for a second. Daughters, you're a son because the son's got the inheritance. The son's got the blessing. So when John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. He gave them the authority to speak those things in the name of Jesus Christ, to speak healing, to speak deliverance, to speak uh, revelation, to speak those things. And so now we're all sons, even though you're a daughter, you're a son because you have equal rights to the inheritance that God has for you. There's ownership there. God counts you coming in. God counts you coming out. 11 and 12, the Ephraim gate and the prison gate. The Ephraim gate is the fruit gate. It's like the farmer's market. Now listen, ne Nehemiah only rebuilt 10 gates, but you'll see 12 up here. Uh, gates 11 and 12, they were preserved by God. They never fell. They never had to be rebuilt. Why is that? Because when you have fruit, hear me, when you have fruit and you do not eat the seed, you will continue to have fruit. This is a giving philosophy. Too many people are eating the seed in the church world. And then they wonder where the harvest is at. You should, uh, if you eat an apple and then there's seed there, in, the you know, in theory, theoretically, spiritually, you plant those seeds then and you get more apples. And so as we get our weekly paycheck, we then plant 10% into the local church. Why? So that the Lord will continue to give us back bountifully and that becomes a double portion. It's over and over. In fact, one apple, you've heard me say it before, will equal 4.2 million bushels of apples, a quarter of a billion apples, because there's 60 apples to a bushel if you were to plant those seeds from every apple. But listen, you still get the fruit. 
You get the fruit off every apple. Some people are hoarding their fruit, and those apples just go to waste, and then the seeds diminish. You, you get a double portion, and this is why God preserved that gate, the fruit gate, the farmer's market gate, because he knew that would be a, a, a currency. That would be a current that goes in and out. And then the prison gate is another deliverance gate, but this is it. This is a breaking bondage gate. This is not, hear me, this is not a gate where people are being delivered. Come on back, worship team. This is a gate where the church is helping people get delivered. And so, in other words, we walk through the first three. What, though, yeah, yeah, come on back. Those two gates there, we understand it's, 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 it's incumbent upon me now to understand that this gate was never done away with, didn't have to be rebuilt, that the Lord, he shows us, he wants us to help people get delivered. Now, those four gates that I had you circle or make a note of, those gates never closed. At the end of the day, every other gate closed, but those four gates never closed. The fish gate never closed. The mifad gate never closed. The horse gate never closed. The water gate never closed. So listen, the, God is always calling people into his salvation. God is always giving power, authority, and anointing for that salvation and for that walk. So those four gates were never, ever closed in the temple. Always open. There's always access to God. And Jesus is always laying across that threshold saying, that person, good or bad, is going to have to come through me. If they're bad, they got to come through for salvation or I'm going to turn them away. If they, if they don't accept, if they're good, I'm going to protect them because they're inside my kingdom now. The gates of hell, what, will not prevail. So there's a gate there that will not prevail. Let's read Psalms 118, I think 19 and 20 really quickly. Open to me the gates of righteousness. Swing open those heavenly gates. This is the way of the Lord, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord, David is saying in verse 20. This is the gate of the Lord. What is it? It's salvation, yes, but it's also deliverance. It's also the Holy Spirit. It's also flowing water. It's also love, joy, and peace. The righteous shall enter through it. Stand with me this morning. Here's what we're going to do. I've got some people that I asked in the first service to, to help us pray. I'd like those people to come. Marcus and Charity right here and Monica and Dale right here and Mark and Marco right over here. And, and, and if you need, so here's, here's how it's going to look. And you, and you can stay in your seat if you want. No problem. But if you need discipleship, like, hey, I just want to grow in the Lord. Would you pray with me that I, I grow in the Lord? I want you to come to Marcus and Charity. If I need, if I need life-giving nature spoken into me, you, you come right here. If you need a double portion, you say, man, I'm, I'm barely making it. You come to Mark and Mark, Marky Mark. You come to these guys, and they will pray a double portion on you. And if you need just deliverance or you know somebody that needs to be delivered, then you come to these guys. And they're simply going to agree with you that says, wait, deliverance, you don't need to walk in that bondage anymore. You need to walk in the freedom of Christ. You don't need to be ignorant anymore. But we'll pray a spirit of wisdom upon you and a spirit of love and joy. And you don't need to be downtrodden anymore. We're going to pray that God just gives you double blessing and mercy. So in a, I'm going to pray, and in a minute, when we start singing, we're going to sing a song that's maybe 24 years old. Some of you have never heard it before, but it talks about swing wide these heavenly gates. Prepare the way of the Lord. What you're doing in your mindset is saying, God, I accept every door that you are in my life that I need. 
Raise your hands towards heaven. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you'd pierce the hearts of men and women here. Father, Lord, that they would walk in the freedom that they that you know they have. You would be that door for them that they, Lord, they would, they, they would so gladly walk through the door that you've opened for them. And I thank you for the protection that you have given each one, Father, the shepherd that you are. Bless them. But Lord, you said, I am the door. I am the gatekeeper. I am the gate. We receive that today, and we agree and stand in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like prayer, come forward for the anyone of these three and we would agree with you as we sing God bless you
church and I was in Sunday school, we'd kind of sing a song like this, a little bit like this. Maybe y'all know it. If you do, it's super easy. Let's try it. discouraged. Maybe you've got a situation in your life, in your home. You're just, maybe you've lost your hope. Like that song says that he will give us hope. He'll give us a joy. He'll give us a future. Sometimes we just got to get in his presence. And when we get in his presence, the joy of the Lord just begins to come back. Maybe you've been through a really hard time and you're just saying, I'm just, I'm struggling right now. May I just encourage you just to find some time to get in the presence of the most high. Just begin to worship. Just begin to declare that you are good. You are amazing. And then begin to sing. So we're going to do it just one more time. But I want you to do it. I want you to say, open up the
a place where you get together and maybe if you're a little sad you can get a little bit happy before you leave this place before you walk out those doors because you've been in the doors that we opened up the gates that God opened up the gates through our pastor that we can have some joy today that we don't have to walk around sad and depressed but we can walk knowing that he is my strength he's my protector he is my God amen how cool is that what a great great word I shared in first service that um, I get the privilege of getting to live with the pastor I said yeah and sometimes that's good <laughs> sometimes you know but we sit at breakfast every morning and we kind of have just our, our morning time prayer devotions and and he begins to tell me kind of you know I think I'm gonna go down this right road and he and this week he was there and he said you know we're gonna I'm gonna talk about the shepherd how he would go in the pen on point one where he would go in and the shepherd would lay across the gate because there wasn't a gate. He would lay across the door so no bear and um, no wolf or no would come in to try to take those sheep that were having that resting place. And he said that that's where the shepherd would lay. And he began to just cry and like he couldn't finish talking and he's weeping. So then I'm weeping because we're talking about the shepherd. But we have the great shepherd who loves us, who gave his life, he laid down his life, that when harm wants to come to us, you gotta go through Jesus. Good luck. You know, when sickness wants to come, there's a time and a purpose for all of us to die, but if it is not your time, you just have to say, it's not my time because I got a shepherd guarding me at the door, so I'm not going yet. So that's what we gotta look at. And so he began to share that, and I just thought how precious that was. I, and I said, a lot of times I don't share a lot of stuff about what happens in our in our home and our private time. But I just thought that was so beautiful how emotionally he was attached as Jesus Shepherd, as the shepherd of of our, of our church. So he, when things want to come in and attack people of members of our church, that that hurts him, that breaks him, and he began to weep to to know that you know God helped me to be that I would lay down my life for anybody that the enemy would come in and want to attack so I just thought that was so beautiful but um, I, sh I shared that my father who you know y'all know was a pastor and he would never give me a lot of compliments and he would always say I'm just trying to keep Jane humble so um, this was his word I did I don't I don't ever want her to get this was his word the big head that was his words and we just laughed about that at our at the table this that but God in the horse you have an anointing you have a boldness that you can just like that horse gate you don't have to worry about the big head you can be strong and confident if God's called me to do this I'm doing it and I'm taking it so I just thought those were kind of some cool some cool points so I'm excited about that and I was excited that y'all knew joy 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 or it was just that easy that you sang along because you know if I aged myself you know let's go back 50 years that's kind of where I used to more more um, sing that song but on March 6th we're starting a new Sunday school class 
that um, is going to be four, five, and six-year-olds. So we can do the, the fundamentals. We can do the basics because it's hard to do them with two-year-olds. And we just really want our, our kindergarten kind of age to really start getting those songs that, we, that I grew up with, the Joy Joy, Father Abraham, the B-I-B-L-E. We're going to go back to the basics a little bit, and we're going to take those kids and put some foundation. So um, I'm so excited about that. So March 6th, if you have a four, five, or six-year-old or a preschool first grade, preschool, kindergarten, first grader, um, you're just going to want to make sure you're here on the 6th when we start it. We're excited about that. So, Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you are here today. We thank you for the incredible word. We thank you that your word is life. And Lord, I just pray that we would go out and we would take that life that you have given us and let the power of of our tongues be the life-giving, not speak death, but speak life, speak encouragement. Be that the voice that says you can do all things through Christ because greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the word. The world, let those words become out of our mouth. Let those words be the voice that people hear when they're going through heartaches and joy, that they have the joy of the Lord and the gates are open to all people, to all people, no matter what. You love everyone of us the same. So Lord, let that just go with us today. Watch over and protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. We love y'all so much. Have an awesome day. We'll see you next week. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.